Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Mission Impossible Fallout. Your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I wonder. Did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. This team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him, disavowed him, cast him aside? How long before a man like that has had enough? Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. How is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. What the hell is he doing? I find it best not to look. All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Mission Impossible Fallout, and the story is as follows. The best intentions often come back to haunt you as Ethan Hunt, his IMF team, and some familiar allies find themselves in a race against time after a mission goes wrong. The film is starring Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rames, Simon Pegg, Sean Harris, Angela Bassett, Michelle Monaghan, and Alec Baldwin. It is written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie. Joining me for this review, I have Daniel Howitt. Hello. And Danilo Castro. How's it going? Mission Impossible time. Well, gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to review Mission Impossible Fallout. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. We better hurry. All right. Who wants to start it off? That's it. The review's over. You had, you had five seconds. The, the re- you, you had five <laughs> seconds to get, give the review. It, it's over. Good night, everybody. Take care. <laughs> Just that little puff of smoke. 
Yep. All right, let's start off with you, Danilo. Uh, what did you ultimately think of Mission Impossible Fallout? So I was going in with... I was It was intentionally tempered expectations because everybody was saying it was amazing. And I didn't want to... I hate going into movies with those expectations that it's a, that it's a masterpiece, you know? So I, I tried to kind of pare it down as I went in. Um, I'm a fan of the series. And I walked away with a movie that I thought was really entertaining... One of the best in the series, I think, definitely. But I do not agree with those who call it a masterpiece or a classic, at least at this point. What about like an action movie classic, though? <sighs> well, hmm, I have a hard time making distinctions when it comes to genre classic because I feel like we're making concessions at that point. It might qualify as, as like an action classic. Um, I don't think it's as good as something like Mad Max Fury Road off the top, but we'll get more into kind of the the specifics of the movie as we go along here. I don't I think it might be an action classic. Okay. Right now I think it's just a very good action movie. All right. And then before I get to Daniel, uh I should have asked his first Danilo. Tell me first about mm-hmm. like what your history has been like with the Mission Impossible franchise. Like what did you ultimately think of the first 5 films in this franchise? I liked I watched the first one when I was pretty young. As I was telling you, the part where the, the his team gets killed in the beginning freaked me out as a kid. Uh, I like all of them uh, a lot. I like uh, three and four especially, uh, Ghost Protocol and the one that Abrams did. The John Woo one is is entertainingly bad. Um, I'm I'm gener- I'm a fan. I go see them all in theaters. I have the last couple at least. Um, so I'm, de- I'm the demographic for it. Okay. All right. And Christopher McQuarrie's first outing with Rogue Nation, just okay in your view, in your um, viewpoint? Uh, it was one that I, when I first saw it, I was a little let down. Um, and I've seen it about three times since it, it came out in theaters. And it's kind of grown on me more and more, I think. I think I was expecting more along the lines of Ghost Protocol, where it was crazy action, crazy stuns, just kind of hitting you. Uh, I think McQuarrie is a little more subtle than, than someone like Brad Bird. So it's one that I've kind of grown to appreciate more. Okay, but then, but now after seeing Fallout, yes, do you still feel the same way about Rogue Nation? No, about Christopher McQuarrie style. <sighs> not, not necess- not exactly. Because I, I think he, I think he outdid himself here personally. I think he did too. This is this is an improvement for me. And like I said, I've I've kind of I've warmed up to Rogue Nation more and more. So your ranking of all six would be. <sighs> oh. Um... Starting from worst to best, two, one, three, and then I would do five, maybe maybe Fallout, and then Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol and Fallout are kind of fighting it out right now. Okay. Dan Howitt, same question to you about the franchise, and what did you ultimately think of Mission Impossible Fallout? Yeah, my thoughts are very similar to Danilo about the rest of the, the franchise. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the franchise. I think um, one is really great, uh, uh, really underrated, I think, because it's not really it's it's not so much an action movie as it is really a, just kind of an espionage thriller. Uh, so I really like it. Uh, two is garbage. We all know this. It's not it's just not good. <laughs> um, and then starting from three on, 
all the Mission Impossibles are just absolutely incredible. I think they're all really fantastic. Um, three, four, five are fantastic. Uh, four, I think, has been my favorite uh, since I had seen it, just because it's just so bombastic and fun and just really entertaining, uh, first and foremost. And so that's that's been my favorite this whole time. Rogue Nation, I think, is probably the best, uh, up until Fallout, the best story uh, in any uh, in any Mission Impossible film, so, uh, but, but the action was better in Ghost Protocol, and that just kind of pushed it to the top for me. So those are kind of my feelings going into Fallout, and uh, now that I've seen Fallout, uh, it's you know we we were talking earlier is it an action classic? I don't know the answer to that, but what I can say is it is easily one of the best action movies in a very very long time uh the the action in this movie is just pure adrenaline i i came out of the movie i got in my car and i had so much like adrenaline pumping i was like rip whipping around corners like speeding off i was like oh i got i gotta chill real quick uh i was just i was just so pumped up because dan thought he was tom cruise coming out of the movie (laughs) this the action is just so gripping it really it's seriously uh it's it's almost non-stop but it's never too much um, and, uh, you know, the the stunts, first and foremost, this movie doesn't look like any other blockbuster today. Um, sure, there's there are there's CGI in there, but it's it's almost indetectable. You, you really feel how real most of these stunts are. The action is is unbelievably well constructed and the stunts are mind blowing. The bathroom fight scene it, it, you've seen it all the time in the advertising in the trailers. That's easily one of the, the bi- best fight scenes of all time. I feel very confident saying of all time, that's one of the best. Um, it's intense and creative great creative uses of space um, and really, really well done. Uh, but I want to be clear, Fallout's more than just incredible action. I think more than any other Mission Impossible movie so far, it really cares about the characters and it really moves the story, moves the characters along in the story um, with a lot of development and a lot of insight kind of into their into their mind. So um, I really, really love Fallout and uh, it is now my favorite Mission Impossible film. All right. I'll definitely expand a little bit upon uh, some of the points that you both said. For me... I just rewatched all five films over the last two evenings. So I went on a marathon and I didn't have a lot of time. I get home from work around seven o'clock and I got to be like in bed by like midnight. So I'm I'm like binging all these movies as much as I possibly can, trying to squeeze them all in so that I can get ready for Fallout. So I rewatch one very much a film of its time. It's fun for what it is. Definitely not what the series has become, that's for sure. But I definitely got a kick out of, you know, watching Brian De Palma's style of the first film. And I would say it's probably the second worst for me, uh, followed by two, which is definitely the worst film. John Woo's style over substance is, once again, it's fun, but man, oh man, is it like... Stupid. Head-scratchingly stupid at times. I mean... <laughs> I'm watching Tom Cruise scale a freaking mountain in the second film, and I'm thinking to myself, "What? But like, he just does this for fun? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? It's ridiculous." It's it's funny what you're saying about what I thought of that scene uh, while watching Fallout. Yes, yes! Know, and it's right? like it's it's still as if they said to themselves, "All right, we're gonna do this right." I totally yeah. think that was intentional. Let's integrate it in a way that makes sense. It was done so much more effectively. In terms of just being within the story, as opposed to just let's put Tom Cruise on a mountain. 
Yeah, let's just make them like all cool for absolutely no reason. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> let's play the song from Rain Man. You know, oh, he was in that, right? Yeah, let's just do that. Like that film is so campy in so many ways. Um, when it's really not trying to be, it's actually like taking itself very seriously. Um, I like Hans Zimmer's score. Obviously, the action scenes are ridiculously over the top, more so than any other film in the franchise, in my opinion. But that's what makes them so much more fun. Um, it's just, it's just very, very stupid at times. I, I, I like, I couldn't believe how ridiculous it was. I, I even, I even heard like Anthony Hopkins asked to be uh, uncredited <laughs> from the film. Smart man, actually, and he's got like two scenes. It's not that he's like a cameo or something. Like he actually has a role in the film, but uh, he's listed <laughs> as uncredited for the film, actually. So, you know, that just goes to show you, I guess. Lots of doves, lots of slow motion. Yep. Lots of unnecessary fight scenes. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the choreography, like there's one part where like Tom Cruise like goes to, like step on somebody or like stomp on them rather like when they're on the ground. No, no, not 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 this version of Tom Cruise. Not this version of Ethan Hunt. <laughs> he does a front flip and <laughs> brings his leg down on the guy's chest <laughs> instead. It is insane. Okay, moving on from Mission Impossible Two, my least favorite of the franchise, Mission Impossible Three. They actually give Ethan Hunt uh, a personality. <laughs> They actually give him friends. They actually give him, um, what's her name, Julia? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they give, they give him Michelle Monaghan in this film, you know? And there's emotional stakes now tied to the character where the second film was trying to make him out to be like a kick-ass modern-day James Bond. Here, they bring him down to a much more human level, and that we also get to what is, for my money, my favorite villain of the whole franchise, and that's Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman as uh, Owen Damien. And he just makes every scene that he's in extremely memorable. But for some reason, Mission Impossible 3 as a movie is not really all that memorable outside of Philip Seymour Hoffman, in my opinion. Like, I don't think there's one great set piece from that film that really stands out that compares with what we get in 4, 5, and 6. What about what about that long shot of him running? There's a lot of shots of Tom Cruise yeah. running there's in this the, franchise. The what makes that one so special? The one long take of him running towards the end of the film. It's I know like, which one you're talking about, but come on. It's the best Tom Cruise running. Uh, you know, at that point, it's like I've seen this before. I, to me, the most memorable thing in Mission Impossible 3 is its opening. Oh, for sure. Oh, the flash forward. Such a good opening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's also some of the best work that I think Tom Cruise has ever done in his career. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what happens when you when you're when you're in a scene with Hoffman. Yeah, I think it was a good pick on his part. I think that's something that I don't know if they're going to move forward to be wise to to cast or try to cast people of that caliber. I think that helps beef it up, and they've obviously gotten better at making the movies overall. Yeah, and I would yeah, we'll get more to the villain in a little bit though. Okay, so then we move on to Mission Impossible 4, which for me was my favorite of the franchise. Mm -hmm. And Brad Bird does a great job of really establishing the team aspect where they focus so much more on the IMF team. And it's not so much about Ethan Hunt himself, although, of course, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. You know, you're paying money to go see Tom Cruise. So, of course, he's, you know, definitely a focal point here. But, you know, you got Jeremy Renner. Simon Pegg is involved in it. Paula Patton is great in this. Yeah. I mean, like, I really, really enjoyed watching her on screen. The set pieces are a tremendous amount of fun. Um, They are definitely bigger in scale. The film isn't as serious as the third film was, and it just takes a much lighter approach that I really, really enjoyed. Rogue Nation, a little bit more serious, a little bit more hard-hitting, 
uh, kind of almost felt like it had like a Jason Bourne influence on it almost in a sort of way. Yeah. But then, uh, you know, the other thing with like Rogue Nation is that I honestly didn't really remember it that much um, after the first time I saw it. The only two scenes I ever remembered from it were the opera scene. Because I really, really love the cross-cutting that Christopher McQuarrie does in that scene. It's almost like Alfred Hitchcock in a way. And I really, really dug the scene where um, he has to hold his breath for, what was it, like three and a yeah. half minutes or something like that underwater. Mm-hmm. That, that, like, that, was, that was fantastic. Okay, so I, w- I would say at this point, yeah, Rogue Nation favorite. Uh, no, sorry, um, Ghost Protocol favorite. Rogue Nation number two, three, one, two. Now we get to Fallout. This movie is sex, man. This this movie is like <laughs> this movie. This movie's heroin. Uh, bad comparison. But let me put it to you this way: you know the phrase. You know the phrase "action junkie." Yep. Okay. I walked out of this movie and I just wanted more, 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 more. I knew what the phrase meant when I walked out of this film. I had the biggest smile on my face. My adrenaline was pumping, like you guys said. I was over the moon with this movie. Over the moon. It's the reason why I love the cinema. I felt like I had seen something where, number one, it's actually like an a, like an actual sequel to four no like three four and five in a way not a little less little less so four but it but it actually is like a true sequel to rogue nation which the other films are kind of like standalone films almost in a sort of way Mm, with like some characters weaving in and out and so that that was good because there was like a culmination here and a continuation as well in terms of character development so you have that working for it you have chris mcquarrie who's coming back after rogue nation and he tops all of his work from Rogue Nation to this. I mean, the visuals are better. The editing is better. The sound is better. The music is better. Like, the scale is bigger. The tension is better. The interplay between the characters is better. There's great moments of humor. There's moments where I was clapping and cheering. There was moments where I was gasping. Hell, even the runtime is longer. Everything about this is just more and more, but not more to the point where... It starts to crumble underneath its own excess. Like, this film just nailed every single note perfectly. I think it's the best action film since Mad Max Fury Road, personally. I think it's one of the best films of the year so far. And I think it's the best of the series, without a shadow of a doubt. I can't disagree with much of what you said. I, I think it is amazing. You, you guys you guys want to get into the reasons why? <laughs> Let's get into re- let's get into reasons why really quick. Um, I want to. Here's what I did I, to prepare for this. I wrote down a couple of different set pieces. So I figured then that we could center our discussion around the set pieces because I don't really want to get into spoilers because there are a lot of twists in this movie and a lot of spoilers that we could get into. But I don't want to ruin that for our listeners out there. So I figured let's talk about the set pieces. What we ultimately thought. Let's talk about first of all the. Um, let's talk about the Halo jump first. This is done, I think, in what looks to be like one take, although we know through probably visual effects it's not. But Tom Cruise jumped out of a motherfucking airplane. (laughs) (laughs) And they shot it. Let's start off with that. Did you see the uh, picture Christopher McQuarrie uh, tweeted out? uh, A picture of the rig that they used? Uh, From his picture, it looked like they literally gaff-taped 
the the camera to uh, the the ops helmet. It looked like it was held together with a ton of gaff tape. I couldn't believe it. Uh, but but I mean that scene is so well done. Um, and then when the you know there, I guess we don't want to get into spoilers, but just the way the way that some of the the, the events occur as they're they're flying through the sky, uh, I, it took my breath away. It really did. I, I agree. It, it it establishes the the tone so well of what these Mission Impossible movies do, which is it, it, it these great set pieces. But then there's always that great little thing that goes wrong. Yeah. And you get to see Tom Cruise scramble to, to, to correct it. And then seeing him figure out a, like a, a problem, which we see a lot of, especially in this movie, it is so and it's just so enjoyable. So I thought this was a great primer, especially leading into the next set piece. It was like a great like appetizer leading yeah. you in to the bathroom fight sequence. Yep. Yeah. So the bathroom fight sequence uh, takes place. It's with Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill and... I don't know who this other guy is, but he, they look like they pulled him right out of the raid films. Yeah. This guy they, they was did. a freaking machine, man. Woo. I mean, the, the thing that makes the bathroom fight scene work is that there's no music. Yep. And it's just a sound. So you feel every single blow and every grunt and hit that's happening. I mean, it it. it it's, it hits you on a very visceral level while you're watching it. And, of course, all the power behind Henry Cavill's punches. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of disappointed. I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed that when he uh, pumped his arms, getting ready for that fight. Yep. I was hoping there was going to be a machine gun click sound or something like that. <laughs> like, some sort of pump action shotgun noise. Just, it would have been so silly, but... It would have been silly to the point where I just would have laughed, died, and I would have loved it. We're not watching Upgrade <laughs> right now. He doesn't have those guns in his arms. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this much. This movie for Henry Cavill is an upgrade for from anything I've seen him do as Superman. No question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, like, give, give, I, I, they, they sacrificed Justice League for the really shitty special effects that they did on Henry Cavill's face because he had the mustache. <laughs> they sacrificed that movie for this. And I have to say, it was so worth it. Absolutely. Henry Cavill, like, just delivers in this on a physical level. His acting leaves a little bit to be desired at times. Don't, don't get me wrong. But on a physical level, th- this guy's an absolute beast. He really is. He still delivers his lines when he speaks in an American accent. He sounds like someone's dubbing him, like he's in a foreign film. His voice is really weird and just like dead and just like deep. But but in the physical sense, he's great. And I think he's a lot more believable as a villain, weirdly. It's just something about his presence is a lot more believable as this than as Superman. It's the stash, man. It's the stash. Maybe it is. He just conveys <laughs> that sleaziness so much better. Y- you give me clean-shaven Henry Cavill, and I'm just like, oh, that's a goody two-shoes American boy. You put that stash on him now? <laughs> Machine gun arms with that mustache. <laughs> yeah, watch out. <laughs> uh, the, the scene was great. This this was the, the, the bathroom scene was I, was, I was, I was getting into it, getting into it. This was the one that clinched it. Like, all right, here we go. This is, you know, from this point on. I'm just, it's freaking gangbusters. What did we think of the uh, motorcycle chase scene? Because, I mean, this franchise has had its fair share of motorcycle 
chase scenes before but what did we ultimately think of this one i think it was absolutely thrilling and and it, it mainly because i never thought there was a second of cgi I, the whole thing felt totally real and uh it was filmed so with such raw you know grit it just really felt um that that they were flying past these cars so i was tense the whole time i think it was excellent i agree i don't think it was as maybe as flashy with some of like the stunt work in terms of like like flips or jumping off of stuff but seeing him go the opposite way against traffic and knowing that it's him and knowing that all this stuff is practical or at least most of it it it, it is it, it it brings out a whole nother kind of adrenaline yeah uh when you're watching it and i think it's i think it's a more effective one i, I loved it there's like a little couple of things too that they do with the sequence that is interesting like there is this whole uh, flash that Tom Cruise has where he sees the mission going horribly wrong. Oh, yeah. And there's no sound and it actually in that scene. It is just music. And it's little touches like that that kind of helped to elevate the whole film for me where it was the right level of style without sacrificing the substance, something that the John Woo yeah. version did not do. <laughs> <laughs> the cutting was really what what sold both of those. The, the when whenever he has those flashes and sold things like the the bike scene. I mean, it's this movie is cut with such precision. Uh, every cut feels really natural, and um, and throughout the film they do really you know some unique kind of transitions, which which I think is new for the franchise. Um, and so I I think the editing is easily the best of the franchise and really surprised me. And isn't that like just a testament? to the fact that it is two and a half hours long, but yet, like I said, when you walk out of the theater, you just want more. Right, Mm -hmm. right. So, I mean, if that's not good editing, I don't know what is at that point. Um, Okay, so then the other uh, sequence I definitely want to talk about, we need to talk about it. We got to talk about Kashmir. Yeah. We got to talk about what goes down in Kashmir. I mean, dear. Okay, so like, I, I have a hunch that somewhere in the world, Christopher Nolan has seen this film and he walked out of the movie theater and he calls up Christopher McQuarrie on the phone, get, like get, calls his agent, says, put me up, put me on the phone, with Chris, whatever, calls him up, congratulates him. And now he says to him, I now have to top what you just did, because to me, this was better on a practical level than any of the airplane sequences that I saw in, you know, like Dark Knight Rises or maybe not as imaginative, obviously, as the tilting hallway in Inception. But I mean, mm-hmm. like, just in terms of scale, yeah, like the scale of this was massive. It was unbelievable. And, and the planning of it is so great, too, because it, it's a it's a it's a deceptively long sequence. It goes back to what you're saying about the editing. It goes on for a long time, but it doesn't feel it. Well, and, and they also have a ticking uh, they have like a ticking time bomb plot device that's yeah <laughs> telling you you only have 15 minutes but really it's it like helps, 25 right. minutes <laughs> it helps but the way they, they transition from one i guess like little set piece within the overall set piece is fantastic it was just like oh my god and I, and I never rolled my eyes like when, you know, in a lot of sequences, oh, another thing goes wrong and then another thing goes wrong. And that's that's mm-hmm. the, the same thing happens here. Stuff just keeps going wrong. But it, it always felt uh, natural. It felt like the natural progression of the events instead of just, OK, they st- he still can't get to the device. It felt really real. Well, you know what it is? 
They don't go out of their way to make Ethan Hunt perfect like they did in Mission Impossible 2, for example. Yeah. No. Like, he jumps from a building and lands on the side and apparently breaks his ankle in real life. <laughs> Not in the movie. <laughs> but they use that take, actually, of Tom Cruise leaping from one building to another, breaking his ankle. They actually use that yeah. shot in the movie, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. They have times where he crashes. They have times where stuff crashes into him. They have times where he's climbing something. He can't quite get his leg over and he ends up falling. Like, I love the fact that this guy is a daredevil and he's determined to complete the mission at any cost whatsoever, but they don't make him to be, no pun intended, Superman. I agree. I I watched an interview with Cruz uh, the other day, I think before I saw the film, and he was talking about how people like Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and all those silent comedians kind of influence his... the way he kind of goes about his roles and it really shows because his ability to kind of juggle between making a mistake recovering doing all this physically i think uh to daniel's point kind of makes you buy all the little oh and then this happens and then this happens even more you know what too like his performance in this is like really nothing special like at all really in my opinion Mm mm-hmm He's done better work throughout his, the rest of his career. He's done better work in oh, this franchise. Yeah. Dramatically, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But physically, at age 56 years old? That's crazy. Yeah. Man, I have I have trouble getting around, and I'm 28 years old. you got to be <laughs> shitting me. <laughs> he looks like, I mean, it's like he's getting sharper, basically, <laughs> some of these scenes. Now, I have to ask, do we think that they have one more left in them after this? Because let's imagine it takes three years, let's say, hypothetically. Sure. Then he's fifty nine. Do you, do you think they have one more left in left in them, or do you think they're gonna just? I, I mean, like, how long can they can he keep this up? Basically, is what I'm asking. You know, I I really wish that they had kind of. Uh, gone for a real ending because I think the way that this story pans out it could have worked as a definitive end to this story Um, but I do feel like they have at least one more left with Tom Cruise as a star and then uh, I don't know what they'll do after that yeah I'm with you on that because there was one thing that needed to happen for this one to be a definitive end to the storyline that started in Rogue Nation Mm -hmm. and it didn't happen and it does leave it open for this to continue um, as, a, as a direct storyline. Like, you know, make it just almost like a trilogy within the franchise almost. Right. Um, <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie, I think, has said, though, that he's not coming back. And I kind of can't blame him because I have no idea how whoever they bring on, if they make another one, how anyone's going to top what he did in this one. Yeah. I agree. And I would say while while it's not a, a, a concrete ending, where they, it's not quite as resolved as they could have made it, I feel like if, for whatever reason, they choose not to come back, I feel like this is the closest to a resolution we've gotten. Yeah. Out of all the films. Sure. I'd be, ha- I'd be happy like, if, if, they, if they announced, yeah, we're done. I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah, this would be a good note to go out on if they chose not to come back. Right. Majority of fans, critics, everybody says that they think that this one's definitively the best one. Why not yeah. go out on that high note? Exactly. And then and then do something like make this the American Bond franchise, recast, you know, and just kind of have a new a new series out of it and and let Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt die with Mission Impossible Fallout. I think that's how Tom Cruise views it. I think he does view it as like I'm doing the American James Bond, only it's not it's mission impossible like it's it's its own thing but as far as like action franchises go that you know favor a lot of practical effects and stuff like yeah i could totally i could totally see tom 
thinking that. This, this would be a trickier recast and a reboot than the Bond franchise, though, because these films are starting to reach critical acclaim levels that most of the Bonds don't have to That's contend true. with. That's true. Well, very inconsistent with the Bond uh, franchise. I mean, Mission Impossible has been steadily getting better with ar- arguably each film. So, which is a rarity in franchises in general. I think it's insane that a movie as amazing as Mission Impossible 3 is kind of most people agree that it's like one of like the fourth best in the franchise. And that's that's crazy. It just speaks to how amazing this franchise is. Yeah. No, we definitely should appreciate it uh, for while it's here because, I mean, Tom looks to be in good spirits and he looks like he's having the time of his life and it doesn't seem like he doesn't want to do it. My, my, my biggest fear is that the studio and the insurance companies won't let him do it at a certain point. I feel like making one more is I think we can count on that. Um, I think I don't think he's anywhere, you know, near past the prime of his life. I think he's I think he's still killing it. So I I expect to see at least one more. I I agree. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to talk about the other members of the team besides Tom Cruise here for a moment. Um, I want to just start off by saying, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Christopher McQuarrie, for giving Ving Rhames something to do in this film. Yes. Other than just be to audience members, the guy that is always with Ethan Hunt in these movies, yeah. like he actually plays an important role in this. And I, for somebody who's been in every other Mission Impossible film other than Tom Cruise, I really appreciated that. I I, to- I totally agree with you, especially that that scene he has co- heading into the 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 final act. There, you talking about the monologue that he gets? Yeah, so it good. Came, it was very unexpected, and it was really nice to see. I thought it, it it not only you know kind of beefed up his character, but but Tom Cruise's character as well. You know that's that's one of the many points in the film where I think the emotional side of it short, sort of showed up and, and strengthened it beyond the other ones. And another thing I really really appreciate too is I love that they still have not gone full blown romance with Rebecca Ferguson's character. Oh yeah, Ilsa. Mm-hmm. Like, they have every opportunity in the world to make this a sex appeal thing on the level mm-hmm. of, like, Tandy Newton and Mission Impossible 2, and they haven't done it still after two films. And I really, really appreciate that they have a more platonic, respectful relationship, if anything. I agree. It makes their dynamic more interesting. Very interesting. Because it's something that's just, you know, you got two badass characters that are leading very, very complicated lives. And it also ties back into his relationship with his ex-wife, uh, Julia, played by Michelle Monaghan yeah. in this, too. And I and I like got a little worried because I'm like, how are they going to juggle these two female characters and even Hunt's life? And it's like, no. Um, the film does a really, really great job of explaining what his relationship with both of them clearly is so that there is no conflict there. And you're not feeling like this is any kind of a like you know weird love triangle or anything like that i agree a lot of times in franchises it feels like if 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 a certain filmmaker or writer implements something in the story and another guy comes along that they kind of are in a corner and they kind of just kind of breeze over it it felt macquarie really handled the character that was introduced in three well and kind of honored those previous films while still kind of putting in the character that he introduced what do you guys think of sean harris it's his second it's the second time now that a villain has uh, re- like 
well, first time that a villain has reprised their role in a Mission Impossible uh, film, but this, you know, and it's the second film that we've seen him in now. I'm just curious what you guys think of him as Solomon Lane. Uh, I, I don't disagree with people who say that Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best um, Mission Impossible villain. I think that's totally right because he's one of the greats. But I am a huge fan of Sean Harris in these two movies. I think he is creepy and uh, just really offbeat and a different type of villain than we normally see while never feeling like a caricature. Uh, he always feels naturally intimidating. And uh, so I am a huge fan and I think he does an excellent job here. I think I think he's I think he's a, a, a serviceable villain for me. Uh, I, I don't remember him being a, a real high point of Rogue Nation, but would you say like more of the focus on this one is more for Cavill for you? I would say so. Yeah, and and while I don't think his performance is bad, I just think with all the other variables that are kind of up in the air, uh, you know, with the plot and with Cavill's introduction and stuff like that, it's just like a good addition. Uh, it's not. Uh, uh, necessarily positive, but it's not negative for me. It's just kind of there. Yeah, I almost get the feeling that like years from now, when we're like kind of removed and people, maybe maybe some people haven't seen it like in, in a long time. I don't know. I don't know who mm-hmm. that would be. But let's just say it's like twenty <laughs> years from now, and you say, "Oh yeah, do you remember that movie, Mission Impossible Fallout?" I feel like the first thing they think of, other than you know stunts and things like that. In terms of the villain, they're not going to think of Solomon Lane. I think they're going to think of Henry Cavill and that mustache. <laughs> Definitely, he's 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 the villain of this film. Yeah, uh, for all intents and purposes, which I didn't mind. I thought that was a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I got to say too, like I just really love little things about this movie. I love the double crosses. I love the mask reveals. <laughs> they're so good. There's some good ones. There were yeah. some good ones in this one. Some really good ones. Yes. Ones that fooled me. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Now, does anyone have anything in particular that they want to maybe say nitpick a little bit? I I do think even though the editing is extremely strong, I think by the end, I did feel like it it felt long. Even though I was into it and loved it the whole time, I was like, it has been a little while here. And, And I don't know what you would necessarily cut. I don't feel like there's any fat here. It just felt long. I honestly think the stuff with Vanessa Kirby is a little confusing doesn't really resolve itself all that well in the third act and if you were going to trim anything anywhere i mean i love i love her in the movie i think she has a great presence and she plays amazing yeah she plays the role very very well don't get me wrong but that's like a little subplot storyline that i felt like I i i felt like if anything was dragging it was those scenes yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with with what you said, but uh, I, I I think it's worth it for her kind of insane, uh, unpredictable character, uh, even if it's just in one or two scenes. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> side note: Did anybody else get Thanos PTSD flashbacks during the third act? <laughs> does, does anyone know what I'm referring to? Actually. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know specifically. I'm oh, sure God damn it. it. There's um, <laughs> there's a flash, a flash of white at one point. Oh. Uh, and all, right. I, all I could think of is like, oh, Fatos is back. <laughs> you should have aimed for the head. Uh, oh, I didn't even think about that. That's funny. <laughs> okay. Side, Somebody to make that edit. Total side note. Um, one, of her, uh, one of her side note, though, because I, I, I did write this down, and I do think it is a mm-hmm. little bit of import, uh, a little important. And there is a reason why I did mention Christopher Nolan earlier on in my thoughts 
I don't know about you guys, but I got a lot of Dark Knight vibes. Yes. Especially um, in the third act with the ticking uh, clock narrative device and the way the music was going and just the practical stunts and effects. I just kept thinking to myself the whole time, you know what? If Christopher Nolan ever did make a James Bond film, like I feel like this is what it would look like. I agree. Yeah. Um, I got vibes during that during that 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 scene, and also um, uh, when they introduce um, what's his name Solomon Lane when he's when they have to break him out. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm, the pr- prison transport scene. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, if you're gonna borrow from something, I think I think Macquarie did it well. But you're, it definitely, definitely some influence. There. So, so you agree with me that you think he took influence from that? I think so. Yeah, I, I I think it's pretty undeniable, personally. Yeah, yeah. What do you what do you think, Dan? Do you think he did? Yeah, I could see that. I that didn't occur to me as I was watching it. I, I never uh, Dark Knight didn't pop into my head, but I think you're totally right. Um, I think uh, for you know we've been talking about the idea of Christopher Nolan doing a Bond film for a long time, and I think um, I think this proves that that would be an awesome thing because I think uh, Macquarie did what Nolan does without feeling like a ripoff so yeah i totally agree to piggyback off the bond comparison um i thought the way this film kind of threaded the past couple films in a way that felt organic felt like a better version of what they were trying to go with trying to go for with specter oh yeah that's a good point yeah um not that the two are narratively kind of similar but just in in terms of uh, executing a similar theme it was like oh this is you know this is the they did it right here where i thought it was a little heavy-handed in inspector that was it Okay, let's get over to final thoughts. If you guys have any final thoughts, your grades out of 10, and any Oscar potential for Mission Impossible Fallout. Danilo, let's start with you. All right, um, final thoughts. Great action movie. Like I said, it's currently battling it out with Ghost Protocol for my favorite. I think I'm going to sit on it for a little bit, maybe see it again. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I do not think it is a masterpiece. I'm going to reserve. I'm usually a little, uh, you know, cautious to use that word, but it is a really great action movie, and so far one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, Oscar potential. Yeah, it was funny. I was looking at Oscar nominations for the previous films. Not a lot going on for these. There are none. Zero. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I mean, Will Mavity wrote an entire article about this uh, yeah. yesterday, and I would have thought in the, in the text or something. Nope. Um, I, I'd like to see. I, I think I think it should in some of those tech categories, but um, nothing nothing major. I would say, you know, I mean, it's an action movie. There's still there's still that that issue within the genre, and I would say the story isn't. Well, I'm here. Well, because because the Mad Max Fury Road comparison is being used a lot. I've been hearing some people say things like this film could potentially stand a chance to get into bigger tech categories such as editing or cinematography. And I'm here personally. This is why I exist to tell those people to calm down. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The best chance that this film has at any kind of a nomination is in sound editing and sound mixing. Yep. And I'm going to tell you why. Because cinematography and film editing is going to be reserved for Best Picture nominees and also, quite frankly, more prestigious films when it comes to cinematography. Sure. Don't try telling me that Mad Max Fury Road got a nomination, so that means this can happen. 
it's a very good looking Mission Impossible film. Might be my favorite looking Mission Impossible film yet. But this is not Mad Max Fury Road in terms of its visuals. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> so there's that to contend with. Visual effects. My belief is that if Dunkirk couldn't get in for visual effects yep. last year, yeah, then there's no way that this is getting in for visual effects because the visual effects in this are hidden. They're not apparent. They're not really on display. It's mostly in camera and practical. Yeah, that's kind of the, the selling point is it's practicality. Exactly. So I don't see that happening. I don't care how critically acclaimed the movie is. No, so no, yeah. So its best chance is sound editing and sound mixing, and I don't even think it's going to get both. My my thought is I'm not, yeah. I think Mission Impossible Fallout is going to be like Drive, like Fight Club, like I'm trying to think of a few others. Sully, I think, did it recently. It's going to be like that cool – lone sound editing nominee <laughs> <laughs> that's, I feel like that's very fitting for this film if that were to if that were to be the case so I mean I, I don't know do and does anyone else have any of her thoughts on any of its Oscar p- potential because I'm I am very 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 confident that that is it I, I would agree with you there I'm ever so slightly I want to emphasize that just barely uh, more uh, inclined to say that it stands a shot with uh, uh, an editing nomination, but I still think it's an extremely long shot. I think we'll see it on um, a few critics mentions, um, and I think there will be some talk about it maybe getting nomination. Um, but I no, I don't. I don't think it'll do anything outside of the uh, of the sound categories and and i i agree with all your points i, I could see it showing up at ace sure i i could show i i could see it showing up at ace as like a surprise nominee there because they do have 10 nominees five for drama and five for uh comedy right so potentially but <clears throat> i mean like force awakens got an editing nomination without any kind of best picture love but that was also a two billion dollar yeah, you know, yeah. high grossing. Different thing. Yeah, I, 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 here's the thing. This early in the year, I'm very, very hesitant to say it'll get in for film editing. However, let's also not forget films like The Matrix and The Bourne Ultimatum. They went on to win their sound and their film editing categories. And I could see a world where Mission Impossible Fallout does get in potentially for sound both sounds and the editing but this is like here's the thing though this is like the stars aligned the heaven gates open and god himself comes down and says i am blessing the mission impossible franchise with oscar glory on this day like that is the best day ever for that film to get those three nominations and i'll tell you this if it gets those three nominations if it, it, it might even win all three <laughs> It could happen if they loved the film <laughs> that much. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think if Baby Driver could do it. I, I just can't see it going that far. Yeah. I mean, there is precedent, though, with those other films that I that I did mention. I, I just I just can't see it. No, nope. I don't see it either. I know. Yeah, it's obviously possible. I just don't see the probability of it being that high. But also think about this. If, you know, if we get our normal slate of Oscar contenders at the end of the year and mm-hmm. there isn't really any quote-unquote flashy hey look at me i'm editing <laughs> you know type of editing going on maybe maybe i don't know so but very very rarely is that the case so okay uh oscar potential done 
over at that point. <laughs> Dan, what grade are you giving it? So uh, but I, when I watched I've seen it twice now. When I watched it the first time, I, uh, I, I kept my, my hype after the movie, you know, a little tempered. Uh, so I gave it I, I gave it an eight out of ten, and, and the review that we have on the website I left it at an eight out of ten. But after seeing it a second time last night, uh, I am bumping that up to a nine. I think this is like I said uh, when we started. I think this is one of the best action movies in an extremely long time. Um, I I do agree. I think the the comparisons to Fury Road are a little uh, you know out of control here because Fury Road was just a whole other beast. Uh, is a different type of thing. But but there's I, no problem in saying it's the best action film since Mad Max for you. I mean that might be fair. Uh, I just don't I just don't uh, think comparisons to Fury Road are are really yeah. apt. But but still, uh, you know, I, I think uh, best action movie since Fury Road might be right off the top of my head. Um, it is it's fantastic and uh, and totally uh, unexpected for the sixth movie in a franchise to be this freaking good so nine out of ten uh is is my score i mean the only other comparison i can think of is like when the fast and the furious franchise started to get decent around the fifth film in the franchise yeah but i'm not a fan uh, i was gonna say but those movies aren't for everyone and even for those like myself who do enjoy them for what they are i don't think you can compare them to this so i think that this is definitely as I said earlier, I, I think that this takes every single element of the franchise from story, character, text, scale, and it just bumps it up. Like, Christopher McQuarrie just directed the hell out of this thing. And I, I'm very, I, I have to say, like, personally, I'm very, very, very surprised at how much they got me to care about this movie where the other films prior my outlook on them has usually been oh they're fun good set pieces you know i mean it but i don't i don't really leave them thinking about them a lot as these like mind-blowing experiences um this was one that really really blew me away and it's not gonna like resonate with me on a story level like maybe some of our later oscar contenders will at the end of the year but the experience of watching this in IMAX with Dolby Atmos sound. I mean, this is one of the most memorable experiences I will have in the cinema this year, for sure. Like I said, that that helicopter sequence was out of this world, just completely out of this world. I still don't know how how long they probably took to shoot that damn thing that, you know, they didn't definitely didn't do it over the course of a week. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Just a level, like the logistics of it, and the planning, and how do you get this shot? And like, was that CGI or did they really crash that thing? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's nuts, absolutely nuts. And the fact that the film could suspend my disbelief like that and just suck me into it the way that it has with its story, because like I said, the emphasis this time around really much is on the team and on the characters. And by this point, we're invested in a lot of the characters. I mean, they even bring back Alec Baldwin from the last one. And you even care about Alec Baldwin in this one, for goodness sake. <laughs> um, you know, Jeremy Renner, you know, he's he's busy being Hawkeye in a movie we haven't seen yet. <laughs> so maybe he'll pop up in the seventh one again. Who knows? That's true. Maybe. He'll, yeah. I'm sure that will be a possibility. But here's here's the crazy thing, though. I like Jeremy Renner in the last two films. I didn't miss him in this. 
Because nope. the film didn't need him to be excellent. No, no, he wasn't, yeah. So, this is a 9 out of 10 for me. All right. I'll, I'll echo what I said in the beginning of this review. I think it's the best film in the franchise. I think it's the best action film since Mad Max Fury Road, in my humble opinion. And it is so far one of the best films I've seen this year, just on a technical level and everything just clicking. I mean, hell yeah, 9 out of 10. I don't know if it'll make my top 10 list by the end of the year, but it's on there now. Same. Yeah, it was a great time. It was a great time with the movies. Absolutely. Anybody else have anything else before we go? What are the other great action movies for this decade besides Mad Max and this? Besides, okay, so besides Mad Max and this? Yes. That is a great question. Hold on. Offhand, I have one that I think is a great action movie. Hit me with it. What do you say? Um, I would say one that jumps to mind is the first John Wick. Why not the second? I think that's up there. Those are just fine for me. I don't, I don't, I don't uh, like, I don't go crazy for those. I think they're good, but that's that's about I all. Did, I was, I was a little let down by the second one, but I think that I think that first one could be up there. So I, I gotta ask this question: like, where where do Marvel films kind of fall into this category? I don't know. That is a tough one to consider. Like, are Marvel films their own thing? I think if you're thinking of the one. Uh, I have in my head, then I feel like it would qualify. I mean... Are you thinking of a particular Marvel film? I'm thinking of a lot of Marvel films, to tell you the truth. Yeah. There's one that jumps to mind in terms of, like, an action film, I feel like. What are you thinking of, Civil War? I'm thinking of The Winter Soldier. Okay, yeah, I I knew it had to be one of the Captain America films. But, yeah, Yeah, at that point, if you're going to make an exception for that, then you have a bunch of people who think Civil War is better. You have to make room for them. And at this point, then you got to just include every Marvel film. Might as well throw Logan in there while we're at it at this point. Yeah. Right. Wonder Woman, you know. I mean... It does complicate things. Yeah, no, definitely. You know know what's a a pure action film that's really Mm. good from this decade so far? Baby Driver. Heck, yeah. Baby Driver is a good one. So good. And, you know, you said John Wick before. I would definitely echo John Wick Chapter 2 as well. I, I actually like John Wick Chapter 2 more than the uh, first one. Mm, okay. um, Tom Cruise, Edge of Tomorrow. We reviewed it here on the podcast so recently. So good. Edge of Tomorrow is, I forget about that one. That one was Such really a surprise. The Macquarie wrote that one, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Macquarie and Cruise again. What about one of the best trilogies of the decade so far that no one seems to ever really talk about? The Planet of the Apes trilogy. Ooh, which one? Which one would you pick out? I said the trilogy. All three of them. They're all, all great. All three? Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I don't know about that for me personally. I'm sure, I mean, lots of people would probably back you on that, though. People love those. All right. Well, this is a great question out there for our listeners that are listening right now. What do you think is some of the best uh, action films you have seen uh, so far this decade? Let us know in the comments for this episode. Danilo, where can they find you on the internet, sir? They can find me at Danilo S. Castro on Twitter. How about you, Dan? Where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at HowitDK and on my main podcast, The Screeners Podcast. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture review of Mission Impossible Fallout. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and support. And speaking of support, if you head on over to our Patreon page for $1 minimum a month, you do get some exclusive podcast content that we develop just for our Patreon subscribers on there. So if you like what you hear on the podcast and you want to hear more, head on over there and subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.